Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, I am honored once again to have our military guy in the studio with us. Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert is here. How are you, Colonel? I'm fine, Frank. How are you doing? <laughs> My first question is, how, did, how, the last time you were here, did you know that even Singapore was in the mix? <laughs> and can you give me the winning numbers for Powerball tonight? <laughs> I'll play them myself. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, what people have to realize is that this was a first step. Right. Period. It really was. It was just the first step. And to reassure your listeners and anyone else that cares, we haven't changed our military situation in Korea. The subs are still there. The satellites are still flying. <laughs> uh, DEFCON hasn't been changed for the troops. And <clears throat> it's a matter of you heard what was said publicly. But you haven't heard what was agreed to, perhaps, shall we say, privately. And there's a lot more to come out. Now, when you said, you know, DEFCON and all that, what you're, what you're saying is that people are making a big deal about the end of the joint exercises, but that kind of really doesn't mean anything? Am I reading that right? You're, well, you're reading that right in this respect. We can always turn the exercises back on. The bottom line that people should get out of this summit conference, the first time in 70 years a president has spoken to a leader of North Korea, number one. And number two, the president is the commander-in-chief. He can call off an exercise or order an exercise. And what you have after last night is the ball is in Kim's court. Well, let me ask you this as, as our, our military analyst here. What, what do you think pushed it to this point, to where, where, where they met, shook hands, signed this agreement? Like, what, what really was the, was the straw that broke the camels back here? Because I was saying, you know, we have a missile that can hit Hawaii. We can wipe out California, you know, sending the stuff over Japan. I, I heard that. Uh, I think what did it was uh, three things. The sanctions are really eating up, number one. Number two, the Chinese twisted arms as best they can. And, I, you know, every time I speak with you, I talk about the Russians. Right. The Russians have played a role in this. And they've had their influence also. And it's basically the fact that I think Kim was more worried about leaving North Korea than he was about talking with Trump. Well, he's he's well, worried about they, they they flew over his bulletproof limo and some kind of a bodyguard group that jogs alongside the the car. So you're right. Plus, I said yesterday he flew over his own toilet so that they wouldn't have <laughs> sewer divers trying to get stool samples. I mean, this is nuts. Well, <laughs> I, you, for those who believe in and want conspiracies, let me throw this out. What, what what if it really wasn't Kim? What if it was a double? <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh no! <laughs> What Here if it go. wasn't Trump? What if it was a double? <laughs> um, 
China, what, what are they, I mean, there's, there's three websites here that say China's the real winner. Like, what, what, what's going on with China? Where were they? What do they do? What do you think is their, their involvement in this? China's concerned about themselves. Uh, they don't want too liberal a North Korea because they really don't want to be encircled by unfriendly, uh, I won't use hostile elements, but they like that buffer, as does the former Soviet Union, like that buffer in Europe. And China has a lot to gain two ways. One, it takes a little bit of pressure off of their border. And second, it economically, it helps them out a little bit. Yeah. And I, I want to I pursue that in just a second. We'll take a break here. But I also want to ask you, what what has to happen in the whole process of denuclearization? So you can think about that, and so can you listening right now. Frank Andrews Show, WILK, 18 minutes before 4. We will be right back. And we have in the studio with us again uh, what we've been calling our military analyst, because I bug him every time anything like this happens, and that is Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert, who has a resume as long as your arm, but was attached to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, 1990 to 97. If we had a camera in here, you'd recognize him, because I had him on the air with me almost every day during Operation Desert Storm and Shield on WNEP, which is where he became, you know, my on-call break glass and called Joe military analyst when I need him. So, the, you, you were talking about two things while we were in the break. First of all, you were talking about how important it was that they had this private meeting. You know, we, we had the big dog and pony show. But for, for Trump and Kim to get together and just kind of talk privately, why do you think that was so important? I think it gave each one a feeling for the other. Uh, whether you like it or not, Kim is the leader of a country, a nuclear power, right. as a matter of fact. He has his own mind, he has his own thoughts, and he has something to say. And whether you like Donald Trump or not, and we both know that the Trump haters are never going to change their mind. The only ones that may uh, have an objective view of the president are those that are not hardcore Republicans, hardcore Democrats, but true independents that can think for themselves. I think Trump really wanted to feel out Kim. Uh, if nothing else, could he speak? Could he say anything? And obviously, translators had to do on both sides. But if Kim didn't answer anything that Trump had to say, I think perhaps the result may have been a little bit different. And I, I don't, don't know. I, I wasn't there. I don't think people really grasp this, but you said it, and it's true. They didn't just walk into this room, you know, sit down to have a, you know, chicken salad sandwich and drop this agreement. There was stuff that went on before they even met, right? Absolutely. From, from the day it was uh, Secretary of State, when he was CIA director, went to North Korea. That's when this started planning. And they've been working every single day up until 9 o'clock last night, Singapore time. Now, do, do, you, do you think, I mean, you, you mentioned the sanctions. Is it the opportunity for economic development or is it China saying, you know, shut up and, and, and stop this because we'd like to see economic development? What, what's the real incentive for him to really be honest with this? By honest, who do you mean? I, uh, Kim, uh, you know, uh, Kim the, the guy that from North Korea. Um, 
what, what, you know, everybody's saying, well, the president said, yeah, I trust him. Well, how can you trust him? You know, he's a butcher. But I mean, if there, if this is really going to happen, what's, what's his incentive and motive to really, you know, follow through? Perhaps it's because things are so desperate in North Korea. I mean, the, the country is starving. There is no economy. The sanctions are really taking a bite. They're totally dependent upon China, possibly Iran, and also the Russians. They don't have any friends in the world. They don't have anything to export. They don't have anything to sell. Okay, you mentioned two, two countries there. What, what do you think Iran is thinking? And, and, and the fact that we have just kind of warmed up to North Korea, does that... What does that do to our relationship to Russia? <laughs> that's, that's a hard one, Frank. Uh, I'm not sure what it does with, with Russia. But as I told you once before, uh, Putin has pushed Trump as far as he can push him. And he realizes he can't be pushed around like his predecessor was. And Putin realizes if you want to get ahead, get along. And he's doing it. And he's encouraging uh, Kim to do the same. As for Iran, they're having a hard look because the bottom line is Trump said, I don't like the deal. I'm pulling it out. You want to have a new one? We can talk. But Iran realizes you're not going to push Trump around like you did his predecessor. Yeah. You know, I, I said before you came in that he had the uh, Trump had the classic quote uh, on ABC this morning. George Stephanopoulos asked him about the the uh, the deal with North Korea. And he said, well, at least I didn't pay one hundred and fifty billion dollars for it. Oof. <laughs> that, that, that was great. But I'll tell you something else, which uh, people have to look at as we've talked before the entire picture. ABC was bragging that the first interview that the president gave us with George Stephanopoulos I think that was sending a message, too. It was sending a message to those in the multimedia who are totally anti-Trump. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And this is what news is, not what you make it up to be. Because last night, watching ABC after the uh, summit, so to speak, uh, Martha Raddatz and their so-called expert were still denying that anything positive happened. They could not believe this. This cannot be because this man is not fit to hold the office of president. There's people today. I had lunch earlier today with a very ultra liberal good friend of mine. Unfortunately, he's an attorney. But, <laughs> but He's, he's complaining about this, about that. Trump didn't do this. He didn't get into human rights. And I said to him, I said, look, that wasn't the issue at this time. That will come later on. It's not going to change overnight. You're talking 70 years of a brutal dictatorship. Kim is not loved. He's feared. And fear lasts longer than love. Well, there is a report today that said he actually did bring up the human rights issue and said that that will be one of the things that we have to discuss. Also, one, one editorial said this, while they're criticizing the, you know, him not specifically talking about human rights, there's human rights when you're protecting people from a nuclear weapon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said before, the satellites haven't stopped. We still know that the purpose of this now with Kim saying, yes, I want to denuclearize. We know how many weapons they have. 
for the most part, I would say we're probably 90% sure of where they are. And now, if he's serious, Kim, he's going to say to whoever we send over there, and it will be a high-ranking individual, uh, I have 60 bombs. And we're going to say to him, no, you don't have 60. You have 75. <laughs> For I'm just using yeah, that yeah, as an yeah. example. So he has to prove that he's serious in what he wants to do. And don't forget, you've got people in North Korea who their careers and futures are in jeopardy because if Kim loosens up, they lose some of their power. And we all know what power does. Which brings up a whole nother uh, question, and that is, while he's making this deal, do you think that there are elements in North Korea that can undermine it? I'm sure there's probably some that would like to. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I would be willing to bet that if he wasn't a dictator, he wouldn't have gotten away with what he got away with so far. Yeah. And that includes leaving the country. Now, th- this is where your experience really comes in, because you were involved in Iraq, you were involved in Kuwait, you were involved that, and you watched what had to happen over there. What are the steps now for denuclearization? I mean, I, it's not like you just throw a bomb away, right? Like, what, what has to happen here? No. The, in fact, they can't do it. They have to be moved out of the country, and we have to take possession, and wow. we have to deactivate them, denuclearize them, take them apart. It's a, it, it's a long, tedious process with no glamour and a lot of hard work. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a minute. If you have a question for Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert, you can text it, and we'll we'll throw that at him. I asked him if he could stay till 4. Can you stay a couple minutes after? Yes, Absolutely. I know you're All right, 883-0098-1-800-437-0098. We have to bring up the country that he always seems to reference, and I don't know what's going on with that, but we'll talk to him about Yemen as well. So stay with us on WILK. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Nine minutes after four o'clock, we are talking about the summit, the summit between North Korea and the United States. And in the studio with us since 3.30 is Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert. Let me just give you a little bit of a background for those of you that may be joining us for the first time. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Albert is retired, obviously, but he was part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from 1990 to 1997. Uh, some Some of his background is he was involved in Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, a scientist strategic plans and policy division of the Joint Chiefs of Staff dealing with the Middle East, Africa, Persian Gulf, United Nations branch. He was involved in planning for policy and strategy for the United States forces involved in the Gulf War and on and on and on and on special forces, just about everything you can imagine. And he is here giving us insight. Colonel, here's a question that just came in. Iran has uh, issued a statement telling North Korea not to trust us. Someone said, is it possible that North Korea would hide their nukes in Iran? And would we know if they started secretly moving stuff? They could do it, but we would, I believe we would be able to know about it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the satellite pictures where there was no no lights on anywhere in North Korea, but in his in his house. Um, do you think that some of the steps that he has taken really show sincerity? You know, or or was it because his mountain blew up? I mean, what's really happening over there? I think he's sincere in wanting to change things because they just can't go on the way they've been going. Uh, North Korea is 
as bad as many countries in Africa. They're just more widely known. But the economy, there is none. The People are starving and dying every day from hunger. Yeah, we saw a statistic yesterday. The uh, the gross national product of South Korea is one trillion. Uh, North uh, that's South Korea. North Korea is fifteen million. <laughs> well, it's, uh, look at some of the satellite photographs of the peninsula at night. You'll see South Korea lit up like a uh, like your studio is right now. Right. And North Korea, if you're lucky, if you see. Ten lights. Yeah, that fellow that was at the uh, the uh, State of the Union said that he would, you know, go to some place where they could eat dirt. I mean, there was just nothing to eat. I mean, terrible, brutal. And they have to the the people that are feeding them and supplying them are saying, you know, you got to do a little bit for yourself. Now you're not going to see a McDonald's there in two years, right? But you will see one eventually. How, how many meetings? I mean, you think we're talking about years of meetings every six months, every three months? I mean, what, what, what's the real process here? They're meeting right now. It's what's called back channel. And they're quietly deciding what's the priorities, where are we going, who are we going to meet with. And each side is putting together teams, different teams for different aspects of what we want to succeed. And what we want to keep a closer watch on and what they want. What are they looking for from us? They're looking for help. They're looking for money. They're looking for food. They're looking for whatever economic assistance we can give them because they're certainly not getting it from the Russians. The Russians have their own problems. They're not going to get it from China because China doesn't want to share except to protect its own self-interest. So who's left? Someone someone wants to know because we were talking about it. Do you do you think it's possible that there would be some kind of a military uprising or coup over this in North Korea? To be very honest, I don't know. I would hope not. It depends on who's got the controls. Younger officers coming through, perhaps not. Older officers who have much to lose, possibly. But Kim is no dummy. I mean, he's unhesitatingly executed members of his own family. So he knows how the game is played. Yeah. Now, every time you are here, you talk about Yemen. I mean, most people in our audience never think about Yemen. You bring it up. And you even suggested that even with this process, Yemen somehow is involved in the picture. How? Well, Yemen is a surrogate war between Iran and uh, Saudi Arabia. It's a religious civil war in the country between North and South, just like ours was. And uh, Iran is supporting one aspect, Saudi Arabia supporting the other. We're supporting Saudi Arabia. Uh, Russia is advising Iran. So until that is resolved, and it's not, I don't see it being resolved because quite frankly, the rest of the Middle East doesn't care about it. It's an opportunity for Iran to test weapons, test tactics, test leadership. It's an opportunity for Saudi Arabia to test their weapons, to test American weapons. Uh, it's, it's a very sad situation. What's happening, the United Nations doesn't care either, or they would have done something. Uh, a text came in and wanted to know, um, since, since Japan was threatened, does Japan benefit from this other than, you know, the lack of missiles flying over? Well, what you have to recognize is there's no love for Japan in either South Korea or North Korea. 
or China. They still remember Japan from World War II. So Japan is limited with regard to their military. They're depending on us to protect them. Uh, Japan knows we're not going to let them go down the tube. So I don't think Japan is particularly concerned. Okay. Now, there's probably 10 texts that came in about this. And and I've been waiting to, you know, one of the things in between our interviews, you were putting flags on the graves of of veterans, right? 15,000? 15,000 plus <laughs> plus and you know you said uh, university ROTC boy scouts there was lots of people that were helping you someone i mean many people have texted and said what are your what is your reaction to the fact that as part of this deal the president wanted to make sure that remains of korean war veterans were recovered i think that is the main thing that every active duty military person in the United States military, as well as every intelligent veteran will consider the most most worthwhile uh, success of the summit if Korea comes through with that, North Korea. How how does that happen? Do we send teams over or, I mean, looking for remains? We, we, We know where, well, they have remains. They buried them. We have teams stationed in Hawaii joint teams, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, they will go retrieve them, bring them back to Hawaii, identify them, and then bring them back to wherever in the United States they came from. Okay. Now, here, here's here's the question. Every time you're here, you seem to bring up something, and, you know, like three months later, I go, oh, yeah, the colonel said that. Is there some part of the world that we should be watching, something that's going on now that, that is not in the in the focus that you you keep thinking about? Africa. <laughs> Niger. Niger. Yeah. We have uh, people there that uh, are actively involved uh, in the situation. They're supposed to be for training purposes. Uh, they went out and tried to capture a... Uh, terrorist chief and they got ambushed. They didn't have the proper authorization. They didn't have the proper support. They didn't have proper air cover. And it was just, it was a tragedy. But there's Niger's all over Africa slowly churning. And the Mideast, uh, Middle East is, is, is still a uh, powder cake. Much more so than Korea, by the way. Uh, you know, uh, Syria as soon as the Russians find somebody to replace Assad, he's gone. They haven't found anybody yet. Okay, before you go on, Syria, last time you were here, we talked about that. They've seemed to, they've really gone off the front page. They're just gone after the after our attack. Well, don't forget, in Syria, you have uh, different factions involved there. You have Turkey, Russia, Iran, Israel, the United States. And everybody is jockeying for positions. I asked uh, Matt Cartwright when uh, the last time I saw him, I said, what's the military authorization use of force resolution for boots on the ground in Syria? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know, Joe. I said, well, why don't you find out? Because that's my personal uh, gripe right there. Uh, the Russians have a base. They've expanded They've established themselves. We feel we have to do the same. The problem is Turkey's the wildcat in the whole position because they're a NATO member, 
but they're being very anti-NATO in their activities. They're starting to stir up trouble with Israel. Israel is starting to say, hey, we've got to protect ourselves. Nobody's protecting us. We can't count on anybody but ourselves. Right. Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert, I pressed him in for more time. Thank you so much for being here. I hope we don't have any kind of conflict where I got to call you again soon. But you're a wealth of information and people really respect all that you do. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you, Frank, and thank your station. All right. Well, T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.